0: Good morning. Isn't it great that we can come and worship God in that way this morning? Thanks, Stephanie. Thanks, Lelpy. It's great to see so many uh, old friends here. When I say old friends, I mean people that we've known a long time. uh, (laughs) It's great to have you with us uh, on uh, a really lovely day. I am excited this morning. Can you tell? I am very excited. I'm excited for three reasons. Uh, Not because I've got candy sitting next to me, but I am excited for three reasons. Firstly, I'm excited because we're all back together again. Uh, The women have come back to us. (laughs) Hallelujah. I know it was tough for you. Um, I understand the women had a super weekend last weekend on retreat. And two of the multitude that went are going to share a little bit with us now about what went on. Uh, I know it involved chocolate. My wife came back with lots of chocolate. Uh, so Laura and Emily, why don't you come and tell us a little bit about women's retreat and what, what went on. Oh, yeah. Do you want to grab a, grab a mic?
1: <laughs> do you have
2: slides I, have That's 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 gracious. Have slide. I don't have <laughs> slides um, so um, I guess the, the main thing I wanted to share about women's retreat um, w- actually was just how nice it was to be all together after we lost Heather um, I think a lot of us just kind of said oh, Crap, and then put push pause on the grief, and then at least when we were all together, um, you know, we could sing and talk about it and pray for each other. And and personally, I found the um, it was it was really really lovely. Tanya had her guitar, Andrea played piano. There was a piano in the room, and um, just the amount of just singing was really just like almost physically soothing. And uh, so it was th- my favorite part of women's retreat was just we could be all together and worship like that and sing and, um, and pray. That was it.
1: I thought I'd give you a little taste for people who weren't there what we did. This is the group. There were 13 of us gathered in that room, and it was good food, great food, great company. I thought just a few pictures of what went on. Our chefs. Oh. We, ta- we took our personal chefs <laughs> with us, and they cooked bacon. And there was lots. It was great. The food was fabulous. There was the great outdoors. I don't know if you've been to Bowen Island, but it's a beautiful place to go. It's a beautiful place to get away from the hustle and bustle of our everyday lives and have a chance to retreat and spend some time together and spend time with God. There was a group that took... Advantage of that went on an afternoon hike. Come on. And then there was lots of relaxation and prayer time. And next year. My big takeaway from this whole weekend was the challenge that Linda gave us to live out loud. Um, it was very fitting for me because the update to my postcard was I don't have any coworkers anymore. So it's a little harder for me to live out loud at work. So... I'm challenged to do that in all other areas of my life. So I'd like to thank everybody who came, to everybody who worked really hard to make it a great weekend, and we'll see you next year, November 6th through 8th, same place, same chefs, I believe, different food.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, Emily... It was strange being here last Sunday, coming together after Heather's passing. Those of you who are visiting us, uh, a dear, dear friend passed away very suddenly on holiday in Scotland, Uh, and we found out about it, and it was odd being here last week, Uh, and yet we found comfort being together, and comfort knowing that that we're not alone, Uh, and Len's Len and the family of Heather are not alone at this time. So, yeah, I can understand how that was a, uh, a, a special time for you to be together. Uh, then. Well, that's great. Well, I'm glad you had a, a, a super time. And, a, um, yeah, I do pray that, uh, that what God spoke into your hearts will be sealed into your hearts over the, the coming year. Yeah, so excited to all be back together. Second reason I'm excited is that we get to begin finally, finally, our new sermon series on the book of 1 Timothy. I've uh, been uh, meaning to do this for a little while, and we're going to dig into that shortly. But the third reason I'm excited is because it's Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. What are you thankful for? Family pumpkins pumpkins praise God for pumpkins right side of the grass grass. yeah Yeah. anything else that we're thankful for me right okay that's not that's not in the script (laughs) I haven't got that one down here But anyway, Thanksgiving, it's the day of the year, one day of the year, where we're forced to be thankful, <laughs> even if we don't want to be. A day when annoying pastors ask you what you're thankful for, <laughs> even when you can't think of anything. I, I'm sure the Josh family, a bit like uh, your families, um, and many of you have got into this habit of going around the dinner table at Thanksgiving and asking everyone, including the kids, what you're thankful for, uh, which is great when the kids are young. It's wonderful when the kids are young because they love to tell you, and uh, you just can't shut them up. They've got like 120 things that they're thankful for, you know, thankful for Mom and Dad and the cat and Winnie the Pooh. And uh, all the stuffies and Playmobil, and you go through every stuffy name that they're <laughs> thankful for until you get to the point where you say, okay, will you just be quiet and eat your dinner to get it cold? <laughs> but then they grow into teenagers. And those of you who've had teenagers will know that that's a whole different ball game because, A, teenagers are not supposed to converse with their parents. <laughs> B, between the ages of 14 and 16, the development of their mouths, no lo- they're no longer able to speak words. They just grunt. And C, because they're far too cool to play that game. So I remember when we used to do this, Amy's our eldest got to the teenage years. What are you thankful for today, Amy? Nothing. (laughs) Nothing? Must be something, Amy. What are you thankful for? Nothing. I said, come on, Amy. Come on. There must be one thing that you're thankful for. And she thought about it, and she looked at me and she said, I'm thankful that it's going to be at least one year until you ask me that question again. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's, that's a good answer actually, well done Amy so this morning I'm going to help those of you who are struggling with being thankful today I'm going to give you a word, one word that you can be thankful for you can use it this afternoon, you can give it to your stroppy teenage kid this word is why we are here this morning This word is why each Sunday we come to this place. This word is why we do church. And this word is contained in the first verse of the New Testament book we're going to be covering up until Christmas. What a segue (laughs) from Thanksgiving to the book of 1 Timothy. I'll be honest with you. I had hoped to avoid preaching on this book. I asked God during my vacation if I could tackle something a bit easier. You know, a bit more fluffy and nice. You know, maybe the theology of Pepper Pig as found in the Gospel of Mark. But, alas, in his usual sympathetic way, God slapped me around the head. And said, Trevor, stop being a wet blanket and do what I've told you to do. And so here we are in First Timothy. It's a tough book. Those of you who have read 1 Timothy, hopefully you've read it, um, or if not, read it before next week. Uh, there's some tough passages in First Timothy. But the more I think about it, this is just so the right time to do it for us at City View. I believe... That this book will help us focus uh, on our word for the year, which is grow. Not just grow as individuals, but how we can grow as a church. What how we can grow in what we do here. How we can do church well. So here's what I want to do this morning: I want to give you some background to First Timothy, then I want to tell you why this letter is relevant for us today. And finally, I'm going to give you that word for the Thanksgiving table. And that word is contained in the first two verses. See if you can find it. We are going to uh, read the first two verses of, of 1 Timothy. If you want to find it, then do so. If not, just listen to me. Paul. An apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of God our Saviour and of Christ Jesus our hope. To Timothy, my true Son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. There we go, short and sweet. Today we are just looking at the first two verses. These couple of verses actually give us a ton of information about the book that we're going to look at. And I'm going to start with some background to the letter. Now, I know for some of you, you just want to get straight into the meat. You're the sort of people that skip introductions in books, aren't you? You don't read that introduction. You just go straight on to chapter one. But especially with this book, we need to spend time on background. Why? Well, All of the Bible is God-inspired, Holy Spirit-breathed. But it's all written within a particular context and culture. It's written at a particular time and often to address specific issues that are going on. And so we have to discover what's going on in this letter in order to read it correctly. Because if you don't do that, you're going to go off the, the, the diving board into the deep end. And you'll get uh, lost. And so, uh, so it's important for us in this book uh, to do that. And we'll see that later on when we get to the tough passages. We've got to read it in context. Uh, it won't make sense otherwise. So we're going to look at uh, who wrote it, to whom, when, and why. Okay, so who wrote it? Who wrote 1 Timothy? Multiple choice for you. It was either A, Trevor, <laughs> yeah. B, Peppa Pig, C, the Easter Bunny, or D, Paul, the Apostle Paul. Any, any guesses? <laughs> yeah? Siami, was it Peppa Pig? I know you're big into Peppa Pig at the moment. It was, yes, it's okay. It's easy. Paul, first, le- first word in, uh, chap- uh, in verse 1. Paul wrote it. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. What do we know about Paul? Well, here's a short bio on Paul. He was basically a terrorist, terrorist in the early church. His goal was to eradicate all talk about Jesus. And eradicate everyone who talked about Jesus. And he headed up a group who purposefully went around um, rounding up and killing Christians. That was his goal. But God had other ideas. You can read this in Acts 9. He's on the way to Damascus to slaughter more Christian Christians when, God, when Jesus appears to him. And gives him a right hook and knocks him to the ground, literally. And this encounter with Jesus turns his life completely around. He goes from a terrorist to being a pastor. That's quite a shift in careers. I thought going from a bank manager to a pastor was bad enough, but anyway. And so he starts walking into churches And telling his conversion story to the friends and family of the people that he murdered. And the early church had a hard time believing him. Can't blame them. I mean, he wasn't put in charge of the nursery after the first week. (laughs) And he certainly wasn't put in charge of a prayer meeting. Okay, everyone, let's close our eyes. Not likely. (laughs) Paul's here. But eventually what happens is the prompting of the Holy Spirit, the church accepts him. And Paul goes off on many of three, at least three missionary journeys around telling everyone about Jesus and what Jesus had done in his life. And Paul was a tough cookie. He was beaten up more than anyone else in the Bible. He was homeless, he was shipwrecked, he was stripped naked, he was punished, he was sent to prison, but nothing would stop Paul telling others about Jesus. And he started many churches and he went on to write the majority of the letters in the New Testament, and he's the guy who wrote this letter of 1 Timothy. Pretty solid credentials. Okay. Okay. So who did he write it to? Well, fairly easy again. Uh, To Timothy, verse 2 says, To Timothy, my true son in the faith. Who's Timothy? Who's this Timothy? Well, we first meet Timothy in Acts 16. During one of Paul's journeys around, on his missionary journeys, he visited the town of Lystra. And Timothy is there a a young man, he's probably in his late teens, and he's got a pagan father and a Jewish mother. So presumably his mother and grandmother had taught him the scriptures. But he didn't know that Jesus was the Messiah that everyone kept talking about that was going to come. Timothy didn't know this until Paul came to to town and told him. We're told that Timothy was well respected. He's really well respected within his family and his friends. And Paul sees potential in this young guy. And then a little time later, Paul comes through town again. And he uh, meets Timothy again. And this time he he invites Timothy to join him. Come with me on my missionary journeys and going to places and help me as I uh, tell people about Jesus. And Timothy would have been in his early 20s. Paul would have been nearer 50. So you see this sort of uh, mentoring going on. And that was the start of this 15-year relationship that saw Paul and Timothy's friendship grow. And uh, we see that Paul's love for Timothy was a bit like a love that a father has for his son. He says, my My true son in the faith. They were that close. Really important relationship. And the elder Paul mentors the young Timothy. And eventually, Paul uh, trusts Timothy enough to leave him and to pastor a really important church, the church in Ephesus. So, So Paul leaves Timothy there and saying, Son, I want you to pastor this church. I'm going off to do some more things, but stay here. And uh, it's while Timothy is pastoring that church that Paul writes the letter. And it's written probably around AD 63 to 65, some, something around that time. Okay, that's a little bit about who wrote it to whom. Why? Why did Paul write the letter? There must have been a reason. Well, because the church, Timothy, was leading at Ephesus, was going off the rails. It was a bit of a mess. There were people coming in, false teachers coming in and leading people astray. There were men who were more interested in fighting than praying. There were women who were bickering and gossiping. and, And Timothy had had enough his resignation email was ready to be sent he was going to press send and that was it he, w- he he was heading out of town he wants to pack it all in so what Paul does is he writes to him. he writes to his friend firstly to encourage him secondly to remind him of why he's doing what he's doing and then thirdly to give him very practical how-to points about how to to do church well. Uh, In fact, he lays out the purpose of the letter in in a couple of verses in verse 3. It says, Paul writes this, Although I hope to come to you soon, I'm writing you these instructions so that if I'm delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of, of the truth. That's why he writes the letter. He wants to help his, his son out who's having a tough time. Okay, so that's the background to the letter. That's the, that's the nitty-gritty that we need to know before we get into uh, the details. But why does this letter, written nearly 2,000 years ago, to a young pastor leading a dysfunctional church, what has that got to do with us today? We're not dysfunctional and we certainly don't have a young pastor. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's two reasons that I think it's relevant for us today. First, and I hate to do this on Thanksgiving, it's a nice day, but city view is not the perfect Church. sacra It's <laughs> did, did Trevor actually say that? <laughs> oh, goodness me. But we're not. And so as such, we need God's help and guidance to be his chosen people, to be the royal priesthood, to be the body of Christ. We need help. And we need guidance. We need to be taught and reminded how we are to be and do church well. You see, there is a real danger that we just get very comfortable in what we do and how we do it. And we end up just merely turning up and going through the motions week in, week out. That's what we do at City View. That's what we do at City View. And uh, we almost sleepwalk through our time. And if we do that here, it can easily spill over into our spiritual lives as well. We just go through the motions of our spiritual lives. So it's really important from time to time to reevaluate. How am I doing? What am I doing? Which areas can we grow in? We look to that individually. Well, what, what areas do we need to grow in as a church? But here's what we need if we're going to do that. The Bible talks a lot about having a teachable spirit. In Proverbs it says, if you listen to correction, you grow in understanding. But the problem is, you see, we think we know it. (laughs) We think we know it. uh, We know what to do and actually we don't like to be told what to do. Maybe I'm talking just to myself here. Maybe we're just too proud to change our ways. Here's what I do when people tell me things. I listen to them. I listen to their advice. People trying to help me in my life. But as I'm listening, I know that I'm actually not going to do anything about it. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yes, I agree with you. I'm not doing. Because that's what we do, isn't it? That's what we do. I Recently, uh, I've been having some tests for some uh, issues that are going on. And one of my doctors said to me, he said, you know what, Trevor, I can see you know, you're know you rushing around here, there and everywhere. You need to listen to your body sometimes. And I'm saying, yeah, yeah, totally. I'm never going to do that. Yeah. And he said it to help me. And I I pushed it away without really thinking about it. Until my wife said exactly the same thing. (laughs) And I always listen to my wife. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Did I say something funny? Uh, Anyway, so as we go through this letter... We have to come to it with an open heart. Don't say, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Open heart, humble heart, teachable spirit. Don't just brush it away. Maybe there is something that God wants to to say to us through this. Now, as I mentioned, this letter does have some very practical points about how to do church especially around the structure of church. And again, I know many of us don't like structure. In fact, aren't we meant to be just led by the Holy Spirit? We don't need to be organized or structured. We just need to be all loosey-goosey and just go with the flow. Structure is for businesses, not for churches. Church should be different. Now that is true to a point. But here's what happens if the church has no structure or organization. Firstly, no one knows what time we're meeting. So everyone turns up at different times. Some turn up at 9.45, some turn up at 10 o'clock, some turn up at 10.15 or 10.30. So Laupy's here waiting to start the service and no one is here except for the newcomers. <laughs> How awkward and messy would that be? Pause for effect. <laughs> or we don't organise some anyone to teach our children. You know what? Uh, yeah. Holy Spirit's on nursery this week. That's fine. You can sort that out. Tell you what, during the service, everyone can be the preacher. And everyone can talk at the same time about different things. That's a good way to teach. Or, tell you what, we won't have any leaders at all. We're, we can all be leaders. Or we can all sit back and leave other people to be leaders. Sure, if the finances are being looked after. that's okay. The bills are being paid. Everything I get done. <laughs> I'm being a little uh, facetious. <laughs> but you see what I'm getting at. We need some structure. Not, not too much. Not so that we stifle the Holy Spirit and his moving and being willing to change and do things. But we do need practical pointers to help us. And that's what this letter will give us. But here's the most important thing. We saw this last week, for those of you who are here, that we mustn't get so bogged down with doing church that we forget to be the church. That we don't, we're don't—we not just an organization. We're something much, much bigger than, than that. So... Uh, how we do church, the structure and the organization is just a tool to help us be the church. So First Timothy will help, help us a little bit in that. And that's why it's going to be relevant. So this relevant, uh, it's relevant to us today because it will help us to do church well. Uh, as we go through it, it will help us to pray well. It will help us to teach well, to use our money well, to, to worship well, to lead well, to look after our leaders well conduct ourselves in church well but we still need to have that humble teachable spirit as we go through it Okay, that's the first reason, the second reason final reason that this letter is relevant because it shows us why we do church why why we come together in this place each week, why We sing and celebrate, why we teach and learn, why we reach out into our community, why folk take on leadership and responsibility. Throughout this letter, Paul is going to be reminding his son, Timothy, why he's pastoring that church. Why He has given up his home and his family. Why? Timothy, you need to stay where you are. Don't forget, Timothy's desperate to get away. He can't wait to leave. And Paul reminds him and us, in the very first verse of this letter, why, he uses one word. And it's this word, that make us so thankful this morning. And it's this word. Elpis. What's that? Elpis. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of our God, our Saviour and Christ Jesus, our hope. And the Greek words The original Greek word that Paul uses is the word Elpis. Elpis. Christ Jesus, our hope. Christ Jesus, our Elpis. Now this is no ordinary hope. Elpis is not the hope that is distant. You know, 50-50. I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow. I hope I pass my exam. I hope Thanksgiving dinner will be okay. That's a, well, it could or it couldn't. It will or it won't kind of hope. No, the definition of Elpis is this. A joyful and confident expectation. It was used for something that you're totally confident about. It's an assurance that something will happen. It's not a vague hope, but a sure confidence. Elpis. But what is Paul saying here? Confident of what? Expectant of what? Why was Paul exhorting Timothy to stay where he was? It's the same Elpis that exhorts us to come here each week, together. It's the Elpis, it's the hope that is only found in Christ Jesus. It's the hope, the Elpis, the confidence and assurance that God loved us so much. God so loved the world, so agape the world. That's what the the word love, uh, agape the world. Agape means sacrifice, means loving us, means not expecting anything back. Agape is loving without conditions. Loving us when we didn't love him. Loved us by doing what? By sending his one And only son to earth. Showing us there's another way to live life. Where love is the key. You know what, guys? If only our world leaders could grab hold of the reason why Jesus Christ came to earth, this place would be a better place. Especially at the moment. But there's more than that. He came not only to live but to die. Die for us. To die an ugly, unjust death. To die in our place. That's the Elpis. But there's more than that. He died in our place burdened with all our sin, all the muck. More into the loving relationship and presence of our Heavenly Father. That's the Elpis. But there's more than that. So that we could know what true freedom is. Freedom from guilt and shame and fear. Shame can go to hell. Guilt can go to hell. Fear can go to hell. But elpis. That's the elpis. But more than that, There's more than that. He came not only to live but to die, to die for us, to die an ugly, unjust death. But more than that, he was raised from from the dead and spend everlasting life with him. Our Elpis, our hope is that in Christ Jesus death has lost its sting. That there is no fear even in death. That's our Elpis in Christ Jesus. That's what our hope is. That's what our Elpis is. That's what our confidence, our assurance is... We have that in Jesus today. Friends, will you take that in? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that amazing? Isn't that why we come here and worship Jesus each week? Because we have that hope. Isn't that why we do church? Isn't that why we reach out to our neighbours and our families and our friends to show and share the Elpis with them? Isn't that a word to give thanks for on this Thanksgiving day? Oh, I got all preachy there. (laughs) Paul had that assurance. That's why he did what he did in spite of being shipwrecked and beaten up and punished and put in prison. Timothy had that assurance. That's why he stayed in a church that was really messy. To you, who else had that assurance? Heather. Heather had that assurance. That Elpis. She knew her savior. She knew. She knew. She had the assurance that one day, all too soon for us, that she would. surprising then that one of Heather's favorite songs was was this one, Blessed Assurance, Jesus' Mind. It was written by a lady called Fanny Crosby. At six weeks old, Fanny developed an infection that affected her eyes and she became blind. She was blind for the rest of her life. She learned to live with it. and she actually treated it as a blessing. Then she married and she had a child, and that child died after a few days of typhoid. She uh, made childless. And her husband left her destitute. And she ended up living with friends in a poor area of Brooklyn. And it was towards the end of her life as she as she reflected back, she wrote this song, Blessed Assurance. Here's the word. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine, oh what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchase of blood, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. Perfect submission, all is at rest, I am my saviour and happy and blessed. Watching and waiting, looking above, filled with his goodness, lost in his love. And the... Like Heather, knew her elpis. She knew where her elpis lay, her joyful and confident expectation. As we go through the book of 1 Timothy, we're going to see how we do church well. Yes, we'll look at the practicalities, lots of how-tos, <laughs> but never forget why. Why we do this, why we come here, why we put our trust in Jesus, never forget your hope, your elders. Thank you, Lord, that that we can know you here and now, that you can help us and live with us by your Spirit here and now. And we know, Father, that when our time comes, we will be with you. You uh